Welcome, everybody, to the 12th, 12th episode of Peter Draws Content Free Podcast, Series 1, Season 1, Volume 1, Compendium Uno. Hope you're all doing okay today. I am, remarkably enough, sipping on a cup of tea. I don't drink tea very often. You guys know I... I am pretty happy with drinking coffee, but I drank quite a bit of coffee already today, and I got to that point where I started feeling like a little bit of that caffeine sickness, I call it. You just start getting like your, your tummy feels weird, and like your throat, like maybe get like a little, I don't really know what acid reflux is, but maybe a little bit of that. You get like a little bit achy and a little bit nauseous, just like way too much coffee, right? Maybe I didn't pace myself well enough. I don't actually know if this happens to anyone else, but it happens to me sometime when I drink too much coffee for too long in one day, in one sitting. I mean, I don't, I, maybe I should switch to decaf. Do you think that would work? Decaf still has caffeine though in it, right? I heard that, you know, they, some, I don't know, like, first of all, how do they take caffeine out of the coffee without structurally damaging the coffee in a way you know, to make it into something that I wouldn't appreciate as much anymore. That that had to be a crazy scientific breakthrough. To take a coffee bean and extract the caffeine out of it, or do they, or do they, you know, grow slightly less caffeinated beans in the first place? Like with, like a, you know, is it called breeding with plants? Cross breeding, whatever, genetic engineering. Um, I don't know how they do it, but anyways, what I've heard from several people, like most things, I haven't actually looked this up, but what I've heard is decaf coffee can still have up to as much as 30% of the caffeine as regular coffee. Regardless, I drank a whole lot of the regular coffee, started to feel a little weird, started to crash a little, but I still wanted something you know, a warm beverage to drink. And of course, I don't actually own any decaf coffee. Uh, worst case scenario is you wake up in the early morning, you're really sleepy, you're just like stumbling around, bumbling. You might as well be blind and have thumbs for legs. But the worst case scenario is in that mentally and uh, with all your senses stunted, you accidentally make a pot of decaf coffee when you really need that regular coffee the most. Don't even want the decaf in my house is what I'm saying. Anyway, so I made a cup of tea and it's still nice. It's still soothing. I don't put uh, anything in my tea just like I don't put anything in my coffee. It's uh, That would just defeat the whole purpose of it. I have a little electric kettle here sitting next on my desk next to my computer so I can just you know, I can flip it on when I want another, you know, to reheat the water in there. It's clear so I can see how hot the water... Wouldn't it be nice if you could see how hot water was without it having to be boiling? Like if it changed colors slightly. If Water doesn't do that thing like rock does. Where, you know, like if a rock gets really hot, it turns like reddish and melts. When water melts, it just... I mean, ice can be clear, and then water can be just as clear. Why doesn't it change color? What's the deal there? What is the deal? And then when it turns into steam, 
again, there's just not a whole lot of color variation there. Unless you put, you know, food dye or something in it. But no, that's not what we're talking. So I have my tea here. And uh, you got, can you guys hear the... See, I'm, uh, I'm letting it steep. That's the tea bag going in and out of the water. And I'm just going to sip on it. Mm. I hope you guys don't mind that I have a fan on behind me in uh, the next room behind me, kind of blowing in my direction. Hopefully that's not too much of an ear sore. Um, anyways, what's been, uh, what's, up, what's, been, what's been up with you guys since the last time we talked? Any big updates? Any big uh, life changes? Anybody, like, get accepted to any schools? Get kicked out of any schools? New jobs? Old jobs? Promotions? Demotions? I want to hear all of it. The nitty-gritty. Um, in my car, I noticed not too long ago that as I was sitting there in my car driving, the my seat, my, 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 my glorious bum was extraordinarily hot. And first of all, I don't think I have that luxurious of a car. It's definitely, I don't know. I would say mid range, but I don't actually know what mid range means. That's just the first word that popped into my head. I was going to say a mid range car, you know, it's a, it's an O three or O four. I don't remember what it is. It's a Nissan Altima. All right. And my, my butt started getting hot. And first, when you don't expect that, and when you didn't turn it on, it's a little bit alarming because you either think one or two things. At least I did personally. I thought either, one, I had accidentally peed my pants and I didn't realize it. And somehow there was like some nerve damage down there that I, I, wasn't, I wasn't feeling either the moisture and I wasn't feeling myself peeing and all I was feeling was the warmth from the pee. I thought that, I think that was the first thing that popped into my head. And then the second thing that popped into my head was that uh, there was some sort of electrical wiring malfunction in my car and something in my car was catching on fire beneath me. And I think it is um, some sort of electrical wiring malfunction because the seat heater in my car, at least on the, at least on the, the driver's side. I don't know about the passenger side. I don't have a lot of passengers. Mostly in the passenger side, I keep um, like a stack of art supplies and stuff. And the the heat seater is stuck on, and I didn't even know I had a, a heat seater in, until it was stuck on. I didn't know my car was that luxurious. I didn't know I had all these extra features. The person who sold it to me on Craigslist did not mention the presence of seat heaters. And I was looking all over the center console and down the, the side, you know, the console between the seats. There's no switches to turn it on or off. Uh, my mind was reeling and boggling and rumbly tumblinging. And eventually I realized that there was a little hole in the console where there should have been two little switches and the switches had fallen down inside the console. And so if I ever need to t turn that off, I think I need to do one of one of two things. Get down inside that console, try to flip the switch or un flip the switch somehow, because I think the switches are still down in there. Or I need to look at the little owner's manual and figure out which fuse uh, in the little fuse box for the car controls those seat heaters uh, and pop that out. Hopefully it doesn't control anything else too important. Because sometimes fuses 
I mean, sometimes car features, I think, do share fuses, you know, like it could be seat heater and car ignition on one fuse. If that's the case, then I can't pop that sucker out. Can I? Hmm. Regardless, it's okay right now because it's in the winter, so it's cool most days, but it started, this this phenomenon started right off the bat uh, when it was a little warmer. But I had, th then I was still in the grace period of just, it was the, the novelty hadn't worn off yet, but I'm pretty sure once the weather starts getting warmer again, I will really be pressured into figuring out a solution for this. Don't you think? I mean, seat heaters are nice. It's just that it's one of those things where you want a choice, whether or not to have it. Kind of like other many other temperature-based things, like big, thick, fluffy blankets on your bed. Like it's really nice to have those, but you want the choice. Like you don't you want to be able to take those things off if you're getting too hot. Otherwise, you might just spontaneously combust in bed one night because you've got too many blankets on there you can't take off because the switch is stuck on. Speaking of the bed, speaking of the bed, I want to talk about, uh, this is a hot topic right now, about how convenient it is that I have, and I don't know why everyone actually, I don't know, there's probably tons of reasons why everyone doesn't do this. I don't know why each individual person doesn't do it. Everyone has their own reason, and I'm sure it's a good one. But I personally bought a king-sized bed, which means it's completely square. The same width as the same length. I can lay long ways on it, and then it feels the same way lying sideways. It's a square bed. It's just a big square. It's not a cube. That would be a very thick mattress. That would be Princess and the Pea levels of bed height. But I really enjoy a square mattress, a big square mattress like that, not because I need that much room, although I do appreciate the room. Most of it right now is taken up by me dumping clean clothes out of the hamper onto it so I can put dirty clothes back into the laundry hamper. But I enjoy this because when I have a square bed, I feel justified in buying square duvets and square comforters and sheets for my bed, which is wonderful because I never actually make my bed my mom would be disappointed. She used to try to make me make my bed, and I just never really saw the point. I'm like, is this a thing of principle? Is Do I just... N you realize I'm going to get back into it tonight and untuck all these sheets, because some people tuck their sheets in, you know, down at the foot of the bed and, and you know, on the sides and stuff. I can't have I can't have anything tucked in. Maybe it's because my legs are too long and it feels like my... If I lie on my back and the sheet is tucked in down at the end of the bed, it feels like my, my legs are getting like pointed and squished down into the crack between the mattress and the sheet that's tucked in. I, as soon as I get into a bed like at a hotel, it's sometimes it's almost, it takes an almost Herculean, Herculean effort because they really tuck those things in good and there's tons of sheets and covers and blankets and stuff on hotel beds and you just got to rip all that crap out of there and get it. So you have just a couple of blankets on top of you, freestyle, freeform, flowing loose, that you can just kind of have on top of you and roll around in and stuff. It's really good. That's how I prefer it. I can't have stuff plugged in. I mean, tucked in. Anyway, so in my bed, right now, I'm rocking the single duvet. Is it called a duvet or a comforter? It's like, it's like a sheet 
stitched. It's like two sheets with a bunch of stuffing in between and some stitching in between to keep the stuffing in place. That's kind of what it reminds me of anyways. I don't know all the nomenclature, the terminology. And I, I take this comforter and it's kind of, I put it on top of me, but sometimes in the night, you know, since it's not plugged in, it doesn't stay in the same orientation. Or sometimes when I get in bed, it gets, I think it gets turned around a lot. But the beauty of this is the, the sheet is, the, the comforter, the blanket is never on me the wrong way. There's no top or bottom to it. There's no underside or top side. There's no front or back. There's no left or right. That I can't get it wrong, which is a wonderful thing. Because when you're in bed and trying to pull sheets over you, that's the last thing you want to wrestle with is pulling a sheet over you and, and realizing that your, your toes are sticking out because you've got it pulled over you sideways or something. I just love how convenient that is. I love it. And I realize that a lot of you might not have this problem because you do. I think a lot of people somehow do keep their sheets and blankets and bedclothes tucked in, which is fine. If that works for you, then it works for you. And I think that would have the pro to that side of the, not argument, but way to do bedclothes is that I think it could be cozier maybe. If things were tucked in? No, actually, I don't think so. Because then if they're tucked in too tight and you're under there, then you'd be under there. And then, see, like, you're under there and then you're, it's tucked in. So then it's like a tent going down to each side of the corner of the mattress where it's tucked in. If, if, if it's not tucked in under the mattress, then you can tuck in the stuff underneath yourself around you like a little... Like a blanket, you can even roll up in it like a burrito. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love being in bed, honestly. It's so comfortable, so cozy, comforting, and, and, and just nice. N nice is probably the best, most descriptive word I could think of that makes you. It just puts the image into your head. When I say something is nice, you know exactly what I mean. Any English teacher out there would agree with me, right? And I realized the other day, I was a little bit shocked. I was taking out the trash. Surprise, surprise, if you know what I mean. I was literally taking out the trash when a couple of guys walked up to me near my front door. Because uh, here, I, I usually just take, you know, take my bag of trash and I I take it to the dumpster, which is like, just like around, it's like a little sidewalk. And I walk around to the other side of the building and throw that sucker in the dumpster, which is a little bit annoying because there's like these, you know how people, you know, companies, they put their dumpsters and they put like a little like wooden fence, like a fence around the dumpsters for, you know, for, to make it less of an eyesore from some angles or maybe to keep the stinky wind from blowing out of there or something. I don't know. But these people, they they keep parking the dumpsters too close to the fence and it's hard to get the trash bags in there sometimes. Also, sometimes the big trash trucks come up and they, you know how they, they have those two big forks, the two big dukes, two big prongs they stick in the side of the dumpster and they lift the whole dumpster up over the, the, the trash truck's head, as it were, and dump it into their back, Right? In the process of doing that, the two sliding doors on the side of the dumpster get closed, and sometimes when they put it back down, the doors don't get up, opened up again, and then, worst, that's the worst thing ever, is having to touch one of those dumpsters. I've got to, like, 
push the door on that thing open, toss my trash bag in, and uh, go home and take a take like a scalding hot water bath. It's I know it's probably not that bad, but it might be. <laughs> but it might be. Anyways, I came out of my apartment carrying my bag of trash, uh, ready to go throw it in the dumpster, and right, right, like right outside my front door. This guy approaches me, and his friend is behind him, leaning against a pickup truck. And he says, "Hey, I can take that for you." And I'm, I, I kind of take a step back. I'm like, I just look at him. I didn't even say anything. He's like, "Yeah, it's what we do. We take, we take your trash." I was like, "What?" And he, I was very reluctant to hand this strange guy my bag of trash. I was like, "Uh." But apparently, there is a valet trash service here at my apartment complex, and uh, very posh, I know. Surprising. And I can put trash... And I should have realized this, because like a few months ago, they came around, and I came home one day, and there were little... There were, um, there were trash cans. Like I was like, oh, complimentary trash can, thanks. And I brought it inside and never used it again. But I thought they were just giving everyone trash, trash cans because they were trying to make people happy or something. I was like, oh, if it's a trash can, a trash can, I probably would, you know, stop spending money on trash cans and make our rent a little lower. But maybe they had been inside someone's house, I thought, and just saw like trash lying around. It was like a little hint, you know, like when you gift somebody deodorant. But. I saw this trash can and I thought, I didn't think any more of it, even though it said on there some, the name of the valet trash service. So I handed, the, I, I handed this guy my bag of trash. It was, it was so weird. Maybe it doesn't sound that weird, but it, to me it was pretty weird to come out of my apartment and have a guy come up to me and offer to take my trash from me and say, that's what he does. Okay, it was weird to me. Okay, some things that are weird to you aren't weird to me, and some things that are weird to me aren't weird to you. We're all we're all sitting in different places, looking at it from a different angle. It's okay. Mm. And one time, I don't know how old I was. I was probably between the ages of seven. I was probably like eleven. I'll say I was nine. Uh, nine, ten, or eleven years old. Something like that, right? Uh, I had a birthday. And I had a tiny little birthday party. And there was a guy that lived in our neighborhood who was kind of my friend. He was a a few years older than me. I think I was in, like, middle school and he was in high school. I don't don't know why he was my friend. Um, But he, for my birthday present, brought over... A box, right? And it wasn't wrapped. And on the outside of the box were all these details. And I knew exactly what it was. This was a computer. It was a computer tower, you know? I was was so happy that there was a computer in this box. Uh, It was... I was was like, this is going to be the best present ever. The best birthday ever. He came in he bought that i'm like this guy can't i was almost i was almost embarrassed that this guy was blowing my parents out of the water like this as far as birthday presents go you know my birth my parents gave me like a 20 dollar thing and this guy's bringing over a whole freaking computer 
Uh, anyways, I tore the box open, uh, but inside of it uh, was just a hamster in some sort of cage. But uh, it was good. It was it was a good time in my life. I enjoyed that hamster for probably a good two and a half years. I think before it died. It may, it may not have been anything like two and a half years. It could have been two and a half months for all I know. I have almost no concept of the passage of time, as I've said before. I do remember I had to clean the cage of the hamster every Saturday. My parents made me clean the hamster's cage every Saturday, which gave me a little bit of resentment for the hamster. Uh, but I convinced my parents to also to, to make it so that my sister had to, had to clean the, the hamster's cage every other Saturday because I was like, she plays with the hamster too. Oh, it's much more or more than or as much as I do. Why do I have to clean it all the time? I mean, I know it's my hamster technically, but we're pretty much sharing it. The, the hamster's name is Herbie. Herbie the hamster. Yes, named after the love bug. No, not the one with Lindsay Lohan or whatever. The, the other, older, better one that I vaguely remember watching. I just remember, I just remember the car splitting apart in that one race, and then the other race before that, it, the car didn't do good because that one guy put sugar in the gas tank or something before at, at the party. That's all I remember. It was cool. So I named my hamster Herbie, and it was a very good hamster. Uh, we would feed it toilet paper rolls, and it would chew up the toilet paper, you know, like empty toilet paper rolls, and it would chew them up and store them way back in his cheeks. And we would feed him carrots, too. I don't know if carrots were the actual food. Like, what actual food did we give it? <sighs> um, and it, and we'd let it um, run around in one of those hamster balls, let it run around the house like that. Very amusing. And sometimes my sister and I would sit on, we'd, like, sit down on the floor on either side of the the coffee table in the living room. We put Herbie there on the table and just let him run back and forth and and we'd just like have our hands out. And like anytime he was about to run off the edge of the table, we'd just like give him a little nudge and turn him around. That was great fun for us, but uh, thinking back on it, I feel like that was like pretty crazy for him. He was just like running nonstop and, and there were like giants spinning him around every... Every 10 steps he took it. I don't know how little animals like that make it, honestly. It's, it's sad. And then... Yeah. And then he died. He, he was shaking weirdly for a few days. We were like, wow. That's weird that he's shaking like that. And then he, and then he died. And we buried him. And uh, I think that was the last... The last pet I had while I was living with my parents. Before that, before that, I had goldfish. My parents got me a goldfish one time for my birthday, and uh, it died after t after two days or one one or two days. It died, so they got me another one, and that one died after one or two days. They got me a third one, and that one died after one or two days. Uh, so they stopped getting me them. Obviously, goldfish aren't as easy to keep as they look like, as they look like they are in movies and books you can't just put them in a tank of tank of tap well no i i think i'm pretty sure i just had a fish bowl and i put tap water in it and plopped the goldfish in there apparently it takes more than that yeah, i don't know if you need one of those little bubble aerator things that blows the little bubbles into the water 
Um, I'm not sure exactly how those work, by the way. It looks like, from what I could tell, the bubbles get blown into the water and then rides up straight out of it. Is it actually do something else to the water? Is it like oxygenating the water? Is that what it's supposed to do? But to me, is there something beyond what's going on to the human eye? Something I can't see going on there? You know, like, is the water absorbing some of the air out of the bubbles as they go up or something? Is that how the fish stay alive? They need the air in the water to breathe. Huh? Any scientists in the crowd today? No? Didn't think so. Or I'm pretty sure I was even feeding the fish. Pretty sure. Or I might not have even gotten around to it before a couple of them died. I mean, it was quick. It was real quick. Uh, it, so I was never really that attached to fish after that because I was, I don't know. Um, I like round things. I like sharpening pencils with a craft knife. I enjoy that. I've lately, I've, and all through my life, really, I've just been betrayed too many times by your traditional pencil sharpener. And there's something very satisfying about whittling a pencil into a fresh new point with a craft knife, with a sharp blade, doing it by hand, having, having those, those kind of a, I don't know, is that the right word? Polygonal, polygonal, uh, tip to it. You can see the different faces, uh, instead of just like a, even though I just said I like round things, I do like the more structured, uh, facial structure, you know, faces. I don't know what I'm saying, but just too many times I've, I've tried sharpening a pencil and, and the tip you know, like a piece of the lead breaks off in the pencil sharpener, whether it's like a little, like a little handheld one that just has like a razor blade, uh, screwed into the plastic or like a big, like the ones screwed onto the wall in, in classrooms I used to use so much in, in school, uh, you go up there and you stick the pencil in there and, and turn a little handle. That was actually, that's actually pretty satisfying to me. I kind of want one of those, but I don't know if they're that, I mean, that's just a satisfying, Oof, I want one so bad right now, actually, just... And I, I, I just want a pen, one of those pencil sharpeners, and then I just want to buy some pencils, and then just sharpen them away to nothing, and then just... Oh, it smells so good when you sharpen them like that with those... Oh, and those weird... You guys know... Some of you, I hope... It, it makes me sad that some of you might not know what I'm talking about, those... The hand-crank pencil sharpeners, because they if you took off the little cover, right? If you took off the little cover... And, and the reservoir for the pencil shavings reservoir, uh, you could see the weird, the weird grinder wheels in there. Those had cool spirals on them, and then they're you know they're like slanted in for the point. And then if you sharpen the pencil without the uh, the casing on there, all oh, that looks cool. That looked very cool. And then and and your pencil shavings would then go kind of wisping away. And make a mess all over the floor. Sometimes that, if if it was like broken or something, I remember there were classrooms and we just had like a trash can underneath the pencil sharpener. But hardly ever would all the pencil shavings land in the trash can. Some I remember sometimes just going up there and just just sharpening a pencil, even though you didn't need to. You know, you just wanted to get up. You just wanted to sharpen a pencil. You just needed a little break from the classwork. Just go over there, sharpen a pencil. And sometimes some of those were so loud. 
the whole class had to stop. But you can't tell someone not to sharpen their pencil because they need to be able to write. You know? They gotta write. And you can't use a pen because you make too many mistakes. But now I won't. I'm, I'm gonna look for one of those to buy to just sharpen pencils. Not for using, but just using for the purpose of sharpening pencils and that's the end. I'll just sharpen them down to nothingness because, but sometimes you get, you get too, they get too short and you're only like pinching the very, the very butt of the pencil as you're sharpening them. And, uh, the pencil starts turning with the pencil sharpener because you can't grip it enough. Oh, but it, the smell sticks with me. I can smell it even now. I'm looking at some pencils here on my desk that are completely dull. Um, they have, they're not sharpened at all. They're just flat on both ends. The eraser end is flat. The, the end is supposed to be sharp as flat. And I'm just thinking about how satisfying it would be to sharpen this. And the, the worst thing of all is when you would, something would be off about the pencil sharpener. It would be miscalibrated or something would be a little off. Or sometimes, you know, there's some like a little wheel on the front of them for the different size pencils you were sticking in there if you had the wrong one. And so you didn't have the pencil in there perfectly straight. It would just be a little bit, a little bit off. And your pencil... The tip would just be, it would, like, the, the lead would be, like, coming out of the side of the tip. And it would be totally useless, and you would have wasted, easily waste half an inch of pencil. Half an inch, gone. And it makes me wonder, I, th I feel like, I'm not really sure how much pencil gets used up when you sharpen it. Like, compared to sharpening it with, um, with a, with, like, a craft knife. I feel like the craft knife is less, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it, it uses up the pencil quicker because I'm like shaving off huge chunks of it, probably more than I really need to. But sometimes I don't stop with the pencil sharpening as soon as I need to. And I feel like it takes away more than I think. I feel like it does. It's just so gradual and subtle. I don't realize it. I'd really, I'd really like to get into sharpening pencils some more, though. They have all sorts of special pencil sharpeners, you know, people uh, for, you know, different um, angles. They have, like, more obtuse ones, more acute ones. And a lot of artists like using pencils. Um, they, they like using craft knives, I think, to sharpen their pencils because they like using, they like getting these really long um, tips of lead so they can uh, use the side of the lead and do shading and values and stuff like that. And I personally have some Prismacolor colored pencils. These are really fancy colored pencils. And you cannot, you cannot use really any sort of regular pencil sharpener with them. The lead in them is too soft. I don't know if the lead is made of wax or glass or just stuff that's designed to break so easily. It's just, it's a, it breaks. It, I've, I feel like the first time I came to terms with this, I used up fully half of my favorite color of red, trying just trying to get it working again, trying to get a tip on that pencil, and the whole half the thing was gone before I realized that it was a fool's errand, and I needed to sharpen it with a craft knife, which works well for pencils for me now. It does. All right, and there has been an invisible intermission here in the middle of this podcast, uh, which... You may not have noticed at all, but uh, unseen by the naked eye, uh, about a week has passed since I recorded that first part of the podcast. Do I sound different? Does my voice sound different? Do I sound 
older, wiser, more experienced, closer to this cup of coffee in my hand. Let me take a sip. Look, I'm here to talk to you about the, the finer things in life, porticos and palaces, parsnips and pinnacles, pieces of porridge, pumpernickel. I have, however, stumbled upon some regrettable facts and, um, I have unraveled and uncovered some, um, some revelations regarding some, some, some things that I was saying earlier in this podcast, and I want to address those issues now. Earlier in this podcast, I regret to admit that I was talking about mattresses. My mattress in particular, and my, my covers and my blankets, and I think I was totally incorrect and erroneous. And if there's anyone in here listening to me talking right now who knows a lot about mattresses, or even a little bit, um, there's probably people in here who knew enough to know that I was totally wrong. And they, I don't know, maybe they were grinding their teeth the whole time, or whatever, whatever um, you know, clenching their fists really hard, hang on to the arms of their chair. Uh, I don't know. I would like to formally apologize. I'm not going to redact my statements. I stand by what I said, but I also stand by uh, the corrections I'm about to make, which is this, that um, my king-size mattress is not actually square. That is, this is that same podcast where I was talking about that, right? I feel like I'd sound like a total lunatic if I, that was actually some, something I was dreaming about. I was talking about square mattresses, right? I thought that my king-size mattress was completely square and it was a beautiful concept to me, but then I, w I was streaming and I mentioned this wonderful concept to people in the stream and they were like, no, no it's not. And I was like, yes it is. And I ended up looking online uh, at mattresses in general and I ended up pulling up the mattress in particular that I ordered and to my chagrin, it is not square at all, but rectangular. Something like 80 by 76 inches. And this is distressing to me in particular because it throws a lot of things into question for me. First of all, I don't know if this whole time I've been sleeping on my bed sideways. I could have been sleeping on it side to side instead of long ways. I'm going to have to go measure it now. And it's kind of hard to measure a mattress to me, especially when there's only a difference of, I mean, four inches isn't a lot, especially when mattresses kind of, they don't have the, the finest, most defined edges, don't you think? They're kind of squishy and blobby, and when it comes to measuring tapes, it's like, where do you actually, I mean, I'll, I'm sure I'll be able to figure it out, but to be honest, I'm kind of afraid to measure it. And maybe I don't actually need to. Maybe it's better to not know if I've been sleeping on it sideways. If, if it's been working so well this whole time, if I've been, and I have, and I have been sleeping well on it, maybe I should just continue doing what I've been doing, continue sleeping on it in the orientation I've been sleeping on it, 
and I don't need to pull out the measuring tape at all. And I'm not even sure where the measuring tape is. It's Maybe it's better that way. But then, what about my covers? Are those square too? Or are they, are they actually rectangular? And I've, I don't want to think about it, but I do want to apologize for going on and on about how great it was, how square and perfect, convenient they were. They are pretty close to square, at least a lot more square uh, than a lot of the stuff I used to put up with when I was little, sleeping in, you know, like a twin bed. Those were half, almost half as square. Like, they were much more rectangular than the other stuff, right? I think so. I still sleep well. I don't remember a lot of dreams. Maybe if I had a per perfectly square bed, there's something about, is there such thing as, like, bed feng, 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 feng shui? That's one of those words I don't know how to say. Feng shui? F feng. Somebody, somebody write that out phonetically for me. Feng shui. I'm going to go with feng shui. By the way, does gravity bother anyone? It's a little bit, just its incessant relentlessness. Gravity is a little bit overpowering and scary to me. I was lying in bed trying to work up the courage to get out of the bed. I do have my bed very low to the ground. Like I said, my mattress is just flat on the floor. Some people frown upon that sort of thing, but personally, I just like, I, I like sleeping low. And I like getting, actually like getting up out of the bed instead of just kind of sliding off of it horizontally. I like, I mean, if I could have my way, like I think I've said this before, I would have my bed down in sort of a recessed pit in the floor. Some people have their beds on huge, high, towering bed frames and mattresses. I, I mean, I feel like I've slept, visited people, and they've, the beds, I mean, it's been almost chest high. You had to, like, have a little step stool to get up onto it. And it's a little bit scary and disconcerting for me. But then again, I did spend a few years of my life on the top, on the top part of a bunk bed, and I did okay there. Except one time, I woke up. Falling. I was, in, I was in the middle of trying to do sleepwalking, I think. I had swung my legs over, and I think in my dream, or my weird somnambulist state there, I, I thought my bed was at, at floor level. So I swung my legs over, my feet were dangling in there, and then I just tried to stand up. And I woke up as I was falling through the air towards the floor. I guess your, your inner ear notices drastic sudden changes like like that and I suddenly woke up in the air which is a terrifying way to wake up and then of course I suddenly I suddenly hit the floor uh I wasn't too injured I just like hurt my ankle a little bit and it was I, I wouldn't choose to wake up that way every day of the week if I had a choice but what I was saying is gravity is a little bit scary just in the way it kind of endlessly and it just pulls at everything all the time. Personally, I don't know how, how buildings stay up. I don't know how our bodies put up with it. I mean, I know buildings, you know, they're strong. They're made out of metal or brick and wood and stuff like that. These are strong materials made to resist, you know, things. 
but I but I feel like when you've got this this nonstop force pulling at it, it should just be brought down to it should just be brought down to a rubble much quicker, brought down to dust much quicker. The I feel like buildings and our bodies and everything in the world should be closer uh, in, you know, they should resemble the ocean. The ocean, I think, is the natural reaction uh, to gravity. The water is in there, in the ocean. It's, it's in the lowest part of the earth and the land there. And puddles and lakes and stuff like that. This, this goes along with the same theory and the same idea. This all, puddles, you know, oceans, they, they feel very comforting and they make sense to me, even though they are scary and how big and deep and heavy they are. But I like how they seem to obey gravity and they make sense. Even if, I don't know, this stuff, I feel like maybe, is, does the stuff at the bottom of the ocean, I feel like there's so much pressure down there, it's crazy. Does that ever just like randomly change, turn into ice or water rocks? Look, I, I like how the ocean's flat on top because gravity's pulling it down and then it just goes down, the water goes down and it fills in every single little crack it can because gravity is just pulling on it all the time and I feel like all the, all the buildings, all the stuff up on land should also be in puddles. And I guess it will be over time if we give it enough years. I guess we need like millions. Of, like how long will it take? If you just take a building your average brick building, for, per se. I don't think I'm using that word per se correctly. If you just take it and you put it on the land and leave it, do you think that gravity will turn into a little puddle of dust, you know, eventually? How many years would that take? A million? 500,000? A thousand? A billion? I don't know. I feel like and I'm not even talking about with like wind and rain, earthquakes and stuff. I just feel like there's something about constant stress on something that's got to be gradually breaking it down. And here we are sitting, I'm just sitting here with like a roof over my head. A roof that's constantly being pulled down towards me. I'm, I'm sitting here with like a skull over my head too. And And sometimes you like, you put your arm out and and you feel you can like feel it your arm getting sucked down to the middle of the earth if you think about it too much that's weird your arm wants to be at the middle of the earth uh what do you guys think about lasik surgery as have any of you had that done or known anyone that has had that done more and, and how did they like it? And how long have they had it done? And how is their vision? And has there been any discomfort, any of that dry eye nonsense that people talk about? I want to know the details. But more importantly, uh, does do any of you know anyone who has gone in for LASIK surgery and had their eyeballs like uh, exploded or just like accidentally sliced in half by a laser or they came out and they were just somehow inexplicably blind and the LASIK surgeon was just like shrugging and being like, well, I don't know. Is If the surgeon makes you blind, 
are they totally scot-free and off the hook? Like, who's responsible for that? Is there no repercussions? Do, do they pay for bionic eyes? Like, what's the next step there? Are you just done? I mean, I, I've only got two pairs. I mean, two eyes. I have one pair of eyes. And I don't know. I like wearing glasses. I mean, I think it's a good look on me. And I don't want to... The thing is, the I used to wear contacts for a while, but I got too annoyed at having to take them you know, take them out at night every time I want to go to bed and then wake up and being all groggy or, you know, if I wanted to put them in real quick. It's just such a, such a thing. I'm trying to simplify and it's such a thing having to take them out and put them in and keep track of them. Glasses are so much easier and simpler, more convenient to just slap on and off. And, uh, also if you wear glasses, it's more difficult to do the whole sunglasses thing. Sure. I have a nice, I have a pretty nice pair of clip-ons which um, I don't see why, but a lot of people seem to call these grandpa glasses. I'm trying to bring it. I'm trying to bring it back, guys. I think they're pretty cool. You can flip them up. You can flip them down. Uh, I mean, what more could you want from a pair of sunglasses? I mean, it's very. You can get some very dramatic moments going there with the flip up, flip down, flip up, flip down. And. Uh, another solution, of course, would be get the transition lenses, the ones that get darker when you go outside, but those always look a little bit sketchy and creepy, depending on the person. I don't know if I could pull those off. I, th I, mean, I, I mean, I think I could pull anything off, but, uh, I mean, I've considered it. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. I just have these regular glasses right now. I think it would be cool to get LASIK surgery, because it would just be one more step in simplifying things. The things that are holding me back from getting LASIK are, one... Uh, isn't it like a couple thousand dollars, right? That's a big thing. Two, uh, if I ever wanted to wear glasses, it would, I would just be wearing like non-prescription ones. And I mean, I can do that if I want, right? Some people would frown upon that sort of thing, wearing glasses just for the stylistic element of them. But uh, I mean, you can do what you want. If you want to wear glasses just for wearing glasses, do it. Do it if you want to. And... Wait, how many points was that? Third of all, well, I think those are the main two reasons. It would be great because, uh, first of all, I don't like how my glasses make my eyes look a little bit smaller. I hope this isn't too um, egotistic, but I think I have pretty, pretty, pretty eyes. I mean, I've heard that from at least one person that wasn't my mom. My mom usually compliments my smile before she compliments, compliments my eyes. She's pretty good at complimenting my smile. It's good to compliment people's smiles. The worst thing you can do is insult someone's smile, because that's just, it's good. To, next, next person you see smiling, tell them they have a nice smile. It's good. That's good for someone's soul. Um, but I think it kind of bugs me how my glasses make my eyes smaller. No, no one wants to have little, little beady eyes, right? So it'd be cool to have no glasses for that. And then if I did want to have glasses, non-prescription glasses wouldn't make my eyes smaller, even though I think I'm still on the fence about how pretentious it would be to wear non-prescription glasses. But then again, I mean, I'll do it if I want to. It can't stop me. And on the other hand, how many hands is this? Uh, I would just love to be able to rock some different, you know, sunglasses. That's just been a whole side of the world that's really been 
shut off to me. I have some sunglasses that I hardly ever wear because I have to put on contacts to wear them. You can. A lot of people do get prescription sunglasses, right? But it's like this whole thing. They're carrying around like this crazy sunglasses case and they're like, gotta switch out. And they take off their glasses and, you know, then they're like taking out, taking out the prescription ones and putting those on. And then they're like immobilized for a few seconds while they're doing this whole big transition thing between their... And then when and they got to switch back again. It's like it's like the contacts thing all over again. Anyways, it's I'm a little envious uh, of the people who don't have to wear any glasses. A little envious, but you know we've all got our things that we deal with. People who have really good vision probably you know have knees that hurt or something. I don't know. My knees are great. I did one time cut my knee with a chainsaw, but it was superficial wound. I got 28, 28 stitches. The chainsaw cut my knee and bounced off. And the doctors were amazed that it didn't even chip my kneecap at all. They were doing x-rays and stuff. I just needed stitches. It was, um, I was going to say something else about the glasses. What I was going to say is... How difficult do you think it would be to find a LASIK surgeon who would let me record them doing the LASIK surgery on me or get a video of it to post on the YouTube channel? Wouldn't that be just the sickest thing ever? Don't they like slice your eye open? I don't mean, I don't know if I would want to see that. And aren't you totally conscious while they do it? Are there needles involved? Oh my goodness. I don't like needles. But I would like to be able to record it. But I feel like they wouldn't do that because I feel like if there was any, with, if anything went wrong, they would not want a recording. Like there would be some weird liability reasons why they wouldn't want someone recording their operation, right? I mean, some doctors do that. There's doctors on on YouTube with so many views and subscribers who record themselves doing stuff. But that's usually like you know those pimple popper guys and people lancing weird pus filled stuff. It's just. Uh, I mean, I've gone through a few phases where I liked watching that stuff, but right now it nauseates me mostly. Let me take a... This coffee's really getting me through this difficult difficult conversation. Don't look that stuff up if you're not into that, but there's a lot of it out there. There really is. Also, my glasses don't fit. They don't, um, they don't sit even on my face at all. This used to bother me a lot. I used to... It doesn't bother me anymore, but with the old pair of glasses I had, I used to take those suckers off all the time, and I was like twisting them this way and twisting them that way and putting them back. Oops, sorry. Sorry, I messed with this. I was like putting them back on my face and looking back on the mirror, and it was impossible to get them twisted the right way to be even on my face. And I think it's a combination of both my eyes and eyebrows and ears being just a little bit wonky and out of whack in a, you know, in a very human way. It would be a little bit creepy, I think, if a face was perfectly symmetrical and creepy in a superstar, uh, supermodel sort of way, if you're perfectly symmetrical. Um, so I'm, uh, I live with it now and I'm happy with it. It's a, it's a good look, I think, to be a little bit askew. It's a little more interesting to look at. It's good. Uh, accept and embrace your tiny deformities, 
and even any larger deformities you have. I wouldn't call slightly askew ears a deformity necessarily, though. Have you ever seen, um, have you ever noticed how some people have hanging earlobes and some people have more attached earlobes that don't hang? Uh... My earlobes don't hang at all. They're just kind of they just kind of swoop and scoop right in. Is that I think that's a genetic thing. Some people have big hole hanging ones, but not mine. Not a whole lot of room for piercings in mine. I don't, I've got wimpy little earlobes. Not too meaty, but I've seen some I've seen some big meaty ones just begging to have some huge hoop, you know, big piratey earrings in. What happened to the pirate earrings? Huh? When did those go out of style? Maybe maybe they went out of style around the same time as the wooden peg leg. Prosthetics have come a long way. They have. They've got those weird springy things. Who ever thought of those weird springy things? I'm talking about the ones that scoop back and then scoop forward again. Those look really cool. And also, other pirate trends that have gone out of style seem to be the walking around with a pirate on your shoulder. I mean, a parrot. Are parrots considered pirates? They're at least accomplices. I wouldn't trust them. I've been to some people's house. I'm sorry if you're one of these people, but I've been to some people's house who have birds, and it is seems to be almost a non-stop racket. It's, it's kind of like having one of those dogs in your backyard that never stops barking, but it's like a tinier, high-pitched version of that inside your house. And I I don't know how people put, put up with that. Maybe you, it's definitely got to be... It's just, it goes back to that thing. I say you can get used to anything. You go over to their house, and it's like it's like this new thing, and you're like, you get hit with the wall of this just nonstop tweeting and chirping. And uh, some some birds just don't sound that great when you're just hearing it all the time in the back of your head and you know in someone's house but they get used to it like my aunt and my uncle Chicago their house is uh, it's near the L which is the train there and every time the train goes by their house it feels like their whole house shakes and everything's loud and it's so loud and it but they never they don't notice it anymore and every I would I would visit them and uh it would just be this crazy thing. I'm like, how do you guys stand living right here with that train going by every 10 minutes? It's just like so loud and disruptive. Uh, but then I moved to Chicago and I kind of got used to the trains myself. And I go over, I would still go over to the house sometimes. Then I, at one point I realized that I also was not noticing the train going by anymore. So it really is amazing what you can get used to almost get accustomed to it. I'm sure maybe if the train stopped going by in the back of their mind, they would start noticing like, huh, where is the train? It hasn't gone by recently. Maybe not. Maybe they would. Maybe not. I wonder though. I do wonder. I kind of wish I had more long sleeved shirts. I have one or two long sleeved shirts that I really like the feel of wearing. Uh, they're just kind of comfy, cozy. They feel like a very encouraging piece of clothing, but I don't wear them that often because I don't really like the graphics that are on them. And I feel like they're not, you don't see long sleeve shirts a lot of places. If I see long sleeve shirts, they're usually like button downs and those just 
a lot of times just feel a little bit too stuffy for me. A little bit too stuffy. And I, I need to look around a little more, find some long sleeve shirts that really, really do it for me. Even just, I don't know. I, I don't really want a plain one. I used to have a couple of just like a plain maroon one, a plain charcoal one. I didn't like those as much. And they need to have something on them, but not something going down the arms. And I don't want the arms, I don't want the sleeves to be too poofy. I guess I have something specific in mind, but I don't, I'll know it when I see it, that sort of thing. Also, I think I should be wearing, I need to, I have a lot of hoodies. I probably have like 14 hoodies. Um, but the annoying thing with those is sometimes I, I get hot and cold at my uh, desk here as I sit here, um, mostly because I keep, I drink coffee and then I stop drinking coffee. The coffee, it warms you up from the inside. And so when you were cold before and you had the hoodie on, uh, you stop being cold because you're warm from the out. You're warmed up from the outside by the hoodie and warmed up from the inside by the coffee. Uh, so you get hotter and then you can't, uh, you know, you want to keep drinking coffee. So you take off the hoodie. But the annoying thing is I'm wearing headphones with, and they've got like a cord. And so I got to take off my headphones, take off the hoodie and that bothers me. So I, I want some more, I need more zip up hoodies. I don't have that many zip up hoodies. I really like. But I don't like zip-up hoodies because zippers aren't that comfy and cozy. Sometimes, you know, they get on your face and you're... I sleep in hoodies a lot and sometimes a zipper gets on you. Maybe I need cardigans. But I don't feel... I don't really feel like a cardigan person. That doesn't really feel like me. So I have to think over it more. Maybe... Maybe it just... It's another thing I'll know when I see. I have a couple of good zip-up hoodies that I like. I want like a really soft zipper. Maybe I want like a plastic zipper. They have soft rubbery zippers that are still really good and, and function well and work, work well and don't break or pop apart. That's what I want. Or they have hoodies that are, they have buttons. I want a, I want, I want a hoodie, but with big buttons. That's what I want. I, I don't know if I've seen that. It's probably a thing. It's probably really expensive. Cause it's like so weird and trendy and stylish, you know, it's probably, it's probably one of those hoodies with great big, thick drawstrings, like, like two inches across made of like thick wool. And I don't want that. I mean, I would want that, but I don't want to pay for it. For me, I, I pay like 30 bucks for a hoodie. That's it. I mean, I could pay more, but I can get such a good hoodie for 30 bucks. Why pay more? Don't know. Don't know. My favorite hood, my two favorite hoodies, actually one of my favorite hoodies is a zip up. I don't know what I'm thinking, but sometimes I haven't been wearing it as much because sometimes I wear it over my friend's house who has a bunch of cats and then I don't wear it again right after that because I got to wash it because there's so much cat hair everywhere and it just gets all over the hoodie and I just, <clears throat> it kind of bugs me how I just like sit down on their couch once and then I'm just like covered in this stuff. It's just like all over me. It's like like the cat hair like jumps onto you and clings to your clothes. I don't know if it's a static electricity thing or if it's just because I touched it and it just like rubs off onto your clothes and sticks to you and it just makes me feel weird. Ooh. So then that hoodie's like out of commission until I either let it sit around on the floor long enough that I forget it had cat hair on it or maybe I like kick it around on the floor and the, the cat hair rubs off onto the floor. I don't know. I, I end up wearing it again eventually, or I wash it. 
vests are also really weird. It seems like committing halfway to something. I never really know when I could put on a vest. What situation calls for it? I never... Maybe I just don't have enough experience with a vest. Whether it's a puffy vest or a fuzzy vest or just whatever other varieties vests come in. Are there pullover vests? I feel like every vest is a a zip-up kind. If there's pullover hoodies, why aren't there pullover vests? I think that would be really cool. I kind of want one of those now. I think that would look sweet. Pullover vest. I've got to search for that. Pullover vest. Oh, I mean, oh, when you search for that, it's just like a bunch of sweater vests. I do not want a sweater vest. I want like a sweatshirt vest. Hmm. Oh, there's one. These all look pretty dorky. I mean, I'm pretty dorky, but that's even dorkier than me. Or maybe it's... Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between stylish and dorky. If you don't pull off stylish well, you end up looking very dorky. Uh, I'm not cool enough for this stuff. Hmm. Well, I don't really have a whole lot to say. I'm just kind of uh, sitting here in my pants. My pants are on a chair, my chair is on the carpet, and the carpet is on, I don't know, a concrete floor? And then what is, what is under that? If there's some sort of foundation here, then there's dirt and rocks, and uh, I like looking at those cross-sections of things. The ground, looking at cross-sections of the ground is pretty cool. How do they figure that out? They, they drill down, and they uh, use like a hollow drill bit? of some sort and then like pull up a cross section of the of the ground in different places and then just like extrapolate it out across the ground like that's pretty cool what if they run it can, they can drill through rock and everything I guess it's pretty cool how they drill down so far some places you know and like rush it don't they have like super 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 deep holes they drill like miles down like what are they trying to get to hmm what are they trying to accomplish there Trying to get to oil or something? Minerals? Just general great depths? Trying to awaken some primordial beast? I think they should be careful. I think they should. And they get too deep and the pressure's too great and the heat is too immense and their drill bits start warping and melting and it sounds like the beginning to some crazy movie like The Core or something. I need to watch The Core again. It's a terrible movie. I need to watch it again. I think I'd be, there's some movies I like watching again for a second time because I've seen it once, so I know what happens, and so I don't have to pay attention as closely, I don't have to look at it the whole time, and so I can draw while I watch it again. Uh, so it's, it's more of a, I feel more productive while I watch it, because I can draw. I like watching things I can draw while I watch, if I have to stare at it the whole time. That's why I can't watch things with subtitles. you got to stare at it the whole time, and... You can't look away. If you look away for one second, even to like check your phone or look at the other screen or, you know, you just look at it for this reason, you, you miss whole lines of conversation. You got to like rewind, take it back. And it's just, uh, it, you have to dedicate all of your attention to movies, subtitles, if you want to stay on top of it. I mean, I'm, I'm saying those movies are good, but I'm just, I usually don't watch them, but I also don't like it when they're dubbed, right? That's what it's called when they put 
record other voices over them? Like, what kind of... That seems like a huge undertaking, recording voices um, over other voices for a movie. I feel like it must be difficult. First of all, you got to translate it, right? And then you've got to record new voices over them, and it's got to be like the perfect cadence and speed to go along with the flow of the scene so things don't aren't totally out of whack. You know what I mean? The, the voices are never going to match up with the lips because they're saying totally different words, but they still got to kind of start and stop at the right time. So one person's voice isn't overlapping when like another person's talking because that would get really confusing. And I, think, I feel like that, that could be really difficult. You might even have to like adjust the translations because some things when you say them in one language take like twice as long to say in other languages. It's pretty weird. I feel like it. I feel like one of those. Some, that's one of those things that can be a lot more difficult to do when you run into these weird issues. Once you do it, that you never really thought about until you do it. I kind of want to do it, but I don't know any other languages. I am doing Duolingo, um, Spanish. I'm trying to learn Spanish on Duolingo. I'm 15% fluent. I keep starting and uh, doing it for a few days and then stopping. So, thanks for reminding me. I think after after finishing recording this right now, I will go do my little Duolingo uh, lesson. Learn how to say, like, duck or apple in Spanish. Manzanas? Manzana? Man I see. Look, I feel dumb now. Okay. Anyways, thanks for hanging out, everybody. Um, I hope, hope your socks feel cozy today. Hope your shirts are comfy. <laughs> That's all I've got. That's it. Hope your hope your glasses are just if you're wearing glasses, be comfortable with them. Even if they're a little bit askew, it's okay. Mine are a little bit askew. Sometimes I look over over the top a little bit with one eye and not as much with the other eye and it bothers me a little bit when I think about it, like right now, but when I don't think about it, it doesn't bother me. And that's how it should be. All right, so also I need to figure out what I'm gonna draw for this. I think I've got this Twisby pen here, which did have uh, glow ink in it. Did I mention that earlier? And since then I have taken the glow ink out and put actual ink in it, and I might use this to draw a picture for this podcast, which you ha will have at this point been watching me do for an hour. So I think that's my plan, but you could be, I might, between now and then, I might have changed my mind and you might have been watching me doing something totally else and me talking about this right now will be totally uh, senseless. But time is a weird thing, especially looking back on things that have been squished together in time in the past in weird different orders like this. Yeah, all right. Have a good day, everyone. Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, before you go, I meant to do this at the end of a, a video already, but um, I'm just going to ask um, if anyone has any of these things that they'd like to donate towards the cause of art, of Peter Draws, let me know. Um, just send them my way. I have a P.O. box on my website. It's, uh, here's the following things I'm interested in. Um, that I can use them for art, in art, art on, etc. Um, the first item is a magic carpet. Like in Aladdin. 
Um, I mean, I could draw on it or something, but also I could just fly around. I mean, it's just good as a form of transportation. It's practical. It's very green. I don't know about safety. Do they have harnesses, seat belts? I would probably, guys, I'm safe. I would probably get a seat belt of some. I would lie on it. First of all, Aladdin always just sat on top of that thing. I would lie on my belly and hang on to the tassels. I mean, the tassels were like that thing's hands, but I would hang on to some of the other tassels, maybe. Um, second item, if anyone has a F-14 Tomcat, a fighter jet, or some similar variation. Uh, but a f an F-14 is, I think, preferable. That'd be great. I th I'd like to draw on it, um, but also I could use it for transportation if I had a big enough backyard. Um, also, if anyone has an unused toilet, send that to me. Um, next item on the list is 1,000 mugs. 1,000 mugs. Sure, I could do something with those. I have enough mugs to drink coffee out of. Um, 10,000 wire coat hangers. Not, how, not sure how that got on the list, but it's... Send those my way. A concrete mixer. You know, like the big truck with the stuff going around on the inside. I might not put concrete on the inside. I might put something else. Do you think those are big enough to live in, by the way? Can you furnish the inside of a concrete mixer? Next on the list is a pencil. If anyone has one of those, I'm sure I could figure out how to do some art with that. Uh, a barn for whatever. And last on the list is a barrel of fingernail clippings. Um, if no one has one of these, you can go ahead and start now. Get a barrel like a... You don't even have to have a barrel. Start with just like a little cup of it or a... A bowl, something with a lid probably if you want to be safe and just kind of cut your fingernails into there, clip them and collect them. And eventually, once that gets full, you might want to upgrade to the barrel. And once it's full, uh, go ahead and send the barrel my way. But just try to have only fingernail clippings in there and clean your fingernails first. Okay, thank you. All right, goodbye, everybody. Thank you. All right, bye.